running for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level for me, I, I just we, we can't wait to get to the game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Hour number two of the show. Fun show today. We're loaded up with some great guests. Some days we have more than others. Yesterday, we were wide open, celebrating the win in Indy. The Nate Hobbs story broke, and I know a lot of people want to talk about that. There's no new information on this. If you've been living in Vegas as long as I have, you know the attorney he has Uh, The attorney Henry Ruggs has, the attorney Josh Jacobs used when it comes to DUI and the scenario there. And for Nate Hobbs, he probably will be available to play, I would think, because he's innocent till proven guilty. The court date's not for a while, and it'll be a misdemeanor DUI. It is. I'm not defending it at all, at all. Am I not defending it? As a matter of fact, I'm in shock how something like that could happen. Very disappointed on every level how how something like that could happen. Shocked by Nate Hobbs and putting himself in that situation. So I'm not making any lesser light of that. I'm just telling you what high-priced professional attorneys do and how they wipe that out. Or they try to wipe it out, and they knock it down to a misdemeanor. And it happens all the time in Vegas, all the time. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on the radio. We'll try to get Sam and Ash on to talk about this, but... Either way, I think Hobbs should be available to play because he has the right to play, even though what he did was a horrible mistake, and it could have been a lot worse. And when it happens in the legal system, if it could have been worse, that doesn't matter. If it wasn't worse, what matters is the attorneys remind the judge it wasn't bad. It wasn't what you think it is. You can think because he's a football player and he has money, he should have did this. The attorneys bring the charges down. Celebrities and athletes, for whatever reason, you know this, have the ability to pay for problems to go away. I don't know the details of the situation. It broke on our show yesterday. Really disappointed. I like Hobbs a lot. We interviewed him when he got here. He goes to the same school my wife went to. My wife graduated from Illinois. We were jumping through the roof when he came to the team, the Illinois connection, and I cannot believe he put himself in that situation. Amazed by it, considering what happened to Ruggs. And everybody, again, is beating up the Raiders, speculating leadership, what happened. These are young 22-year-old guys making dumb mistakes. And some are not mistakes. They are tragedies. This was a mistake. This wasn't a tragedy. What Ruggs did was a mistake that built into a tragedy and ruined his life. Nate Hobbs will have an opportunity to play again with a misdemeanor DUI. The question is, what is the team going to say about this? And I am privy to no information. I have no idea, and neither do you. So Hobbs has been playing really well this year, and he's a very important piece in this game. Are you kidding me with Keenan Allen as we've been talking about this? A very good player who can... I think slow down or get off the field on third down, and that's the only chance the Raiders have to win this game. So I'm very interested to see what happens with Hobbs, how he's ready to play, this whole next man up philosophy. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, the franchise, one of the all-time great sports talk hosts, former voice of the Chargers and the Seahawks, and we frequently have him on. Lee, I want to begin first with Ben Roethlisberger and what happened with him last night. That was one of my favorite 
all-time, and I was on the air live, walk-off, soaking-in moments for an athlete in their home stadium or field. How'd you see it? I, I thought it was just electric. Uh, you know, he's been such a great warrior for that franchise ever since he left Miami of Ohio. Grew into the position, grew into a superstar, grew into a leader. Uh, now he's kind of grown into the Steelers statesman. I think the neat thing at the end of the game, obviously, is to see him do the victory lap. Uh, it's tough to see him not be able to be who he used to be, but at age 39 going on 40, you know, the injuries have kind of taken a toll. And he doesn't have a very good team around him. He's got the running back, but he doesn't have much of an offensive line. And his young wide receivers are growing, so they have good days and they have bad days. But that's a Hall of Famer. And, you know, I thought about this late last night, JT. This is the final opportunity to see the greatness of that draft class because mm-hmm. now they're all gone. Uh, Philip Rivers retired without ever getting to a Super Bowl. Eli Manning got two rings. He retired. Now Ben Roethlisberger's retiring, and he'll go from Pittsburgh to Canton with two rings in his pocket, too. So great leader. Great. It's just a great, great thing for the fans of Pittsburgh. who It's a very tough place to play. It's it very is. demanding uh, fans. Uh, but he's done a heck of a job, and, and he and Tomlin have kind of a unique chemistry relationship at it is amazing. Over 15 years, Mike Tomlin with Ben Roethlisberger has never had a losing season. That's pretty impressive, knowing the cycles of the NFL and how you get good, how you get old, how you get hurt, how you get hurt by free agency, and how you get bad, and then you got to bring it back. They've never had that in Pittsburgh, so pretty special thing to see. Hacksaw is our guest. I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. He was number one overall, a Heisman, and broke the rookie touchdown record at that time, something Brett Favre didn't do. He didn't win the Heisman, didn't break the rookie touchdown record. He wasn't taken number one, and he had better stats than Brett Favre his first couple of years. Now, he's not Brett Favre, but he played with a labrum injury, and he's going to have surgery, and I thought the guy played hurt all year. What do you think happens to Baker's future in Cleveland? Because if they go backwards and try to go in a different direction, and Mayfield leaves and goes somewhere else to greatness, they'll never live that down. JT, I think it's been two years of disappointment in Cleveland. So much has been expected. They've stockpiled so many good players. They've acquired veteran players with high price tags, and they've just not gotten there. And I think that's the biggest disappointment of all is they've had just they've been battered by injuries. And then you add COVID into the equation. And and at the same time, they've drafted pretty well, and they're force-feeding those kids, and those, especially the offensive linemen. They have good spells, bad spells, et cetera. So, I mean, it's just really been tough on Mayfield. I guess the only concern I have about him, and I, I do like his fire, and I do like his persona and his leadership, but is he big enough? Is he, is he tall enough to be able to do what he has to do with all the pressure around him? He takes a lot of sacks because he holds the ball a lot. He takes a lot of passes that get deflected because he's on the smaller side. So they got they got a tough decision to make. I don't know that he's an $18.6 million cap figure quarterback, and that's that's the number they're going to have to make a decision on next year. Do they let him play out the final year and then and put him on the free agent market, see if he bounces back physically, see if the team comes back? Uh, do they ask him to restructure down? I mean, 18.6 is an awful lot of money, and they've got other guys knocking down big contracts. Same with Jarvis Landry and a couple of those uh, high draft picks. So they they got some tough decisions to make in Cleveland. I hate to call them an underachiever because that's kind of a cruel thing to say about a team that's had so many injuries. But Browns have not been what we all thought the Browns were going to be the last 24 months. 
Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, the great sports talk host, joins us. I wanted to have you on mostly to talk about Chargers, Raiders. I never thought it would come to both teams. Elimination game. I thought the Chargers would probably be in by now with their roster, but they lost to Houston, and they really were bad in their losses this year. And the Raiders, same thing. They lose to the Washington football team at home. Chicago with Justin Fields at home. But now the Raiders go on this incredible run with an interim head coach. First, let's start with the Raiders. What have you seen with this team and the resiliency over the last couple of weeks? Well, I think Derek Carr is having a magnificent individual season, but he can't do it all by himself. I mean, up until the last 12 days, it really had no running game. I don't know who the real Josh Jacobs is right now. I don't even know that they know who he is. Uh, obviously, the the mess with Henry Ruggs has depleted the offense. Uh, the injury to uh, Wallow, the tight end, has has really hurt them. Renfro has had just a spectacular individual season. Defensive side of the football, they play hard for Gus Bradley. Now, they've got, they've got a combination of young Lions like Max Crosby and old war dogs like Denzel Perriman and, and K.J. Wright. Uh, secondary is good at times, but they're young and they get battered. I'd love to see a full season of Jonathan Abram without any type of injuries. But, you know, are they, are they better than a 500 football team? You just, you know, you just echoed the number of ghastly losses. And I say the same thing with the Chargers. Justin Herbert's going to crack 5,000 yards. I mean, that's, that's, that's an amazing statistic, throwing and running for him. And yet he's had a battered offensive line. He does not have a heavy-duty running game. He does have Austin Eckler, who does anything, anytime, any game for them. I don't like their defense. I just don't think they have enough people defensively up front. They're not tough enough. Uh, they've, they've obviously got a lot of kids they're force-feeding at secondary. Uh, Duran James and Joey Bosa can't do this whole thing by themselves, and they've had ghastly losses too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go back to early in the season. They, there were a couple of games against bad teams they should have lost that didn't, and then they wound up losing to Denver and wound up losing to Houston, just hideous losses. And I'm kind of disappointed in Brandon Staley. He must have left all the pages in the defensive playbook in, the, in his desk with the Rams because this defense has not really played very well at all. So. You know, I think it'll be a fun game. I thought the Chargers, like you, would, would be deeper into this, but they've staggered. They've been figured out. They were 4-1, and one, and since then they're 5-6. and six. And obviously the Raiders have just been sidetracked by all the junk off the field. That's taken a terrible toll. That being said, when they play Sunday night, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, last guy touches the football, probably wins. I think it's going to be wild. Uh, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, you mentioned Cincinnati. Who do you think has a bigger ceiling, Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert? Uh, they're, they're both spectacular. I yeah. think Herbert, because of his size and his athleticism, but Burrow's accomplished a phenomenal number of things. I mean, he's got a quarterback rating of 108. Think about that, 108, and he gets battered. He does not have a good offensive line. He's, had, he's already had one catastrophic knee injury, and he, he leads the world in sacks again this season. Uh, Cincinnati's kind of fun to watch because they got the three wide receivers. They got the tight end. Joe Mixon can make some things happen running the football. Uh, I call them the baby Bengals. You know, they're going to be glad to be in the playoffs, but I don't know that they go very far in the playoffs. They're just a very young team. Herbert is just a spectacular individual. I mean, he is so intellectual and he's so big and he's so athletic and he has no fear not that he's going to try to run people down all the time, but he just is so dangerous when the football's in his hands. So I, I mean, these are the two stars of the future coming right on the heels of the arrival of, of Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. So 
it's a pretty good crop of young QBs. Lee, finally, anything you'd like to add on Antonio Brown? Because it is a mental health issue, and it could end really ugly. It's been really ugly him. If you look at the violence, the language, the way he disrespects women in the past, and I think he's very happy to still be here with us, and I don't know what the plan is. If the league wouldn't give him another opportunity this year, right? I mean, Goodell could easily park him and call for, call on a mental health evaluation and stall that for as long as he wants into the offseason. What scenarios do you see for A.B. going forward? Well, I think mental health are the key words in this conversation, J.T., and I think the league needs to do an intervention. I mean, if the league does an intervention on all the junk that Sean Watson got himself involved in and some of the other guys around the league that have troubled past, Alden Smith, et cetera, then the league should, with the work of the union, do an intervention and get this guy some help. I don't know that he can be helped. You know, he's kind of like the, the syndrome that plagues Josh Gordon, the wide receiver who's bounced all over the place because he keeps making bad decisions. Uh, Antonio's got, I think, an enormous amount of issues, and I think that the union and the league have to proceed and, and put him on the commissioner's exempt list, if you will, and then get him a new evaluation and see. But who's going to touch him? And the other factor in the equation, lost in all the conversation in the last couple of days, is that this team has now been stripped of its talent. I mean, Tom Brady, with 40 touchdown passes and almost 5,000 yards, Tom Brady has, is down four running backs. He's lost A.B. He's lost Chris Godwin. Uh, he's very thin at wide receiver. You know, I think this is going to be catastrophic to the Buccaneers. Um, should they have given him a chance? Well, Brady, Brady Sales pitched a lot of people in that organization that he could control them, and at the end of the day, he could not control them, and that's really sad. But some people can't help themselves. Some people are bipolar. Some people just make really bad decisions. And I think somewhere in that gray area lies the name Antonio Brown. It's not... It's a sad story because it's obvious the guy's got gifts, but the guy's got talent. And I've maintained all along, although this goes against the Raiders' philosophy, you really need good people on your team because when the going gets tough, you need good people. And look at what Antonio Brown just did to Tampa Bay. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Check out the website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Best 15 minutes, one man's opinion. I have it open all day. You know that, Lee. I have it open in the morning. I have it for this show. I you know, I always have it open. So if you have breaking news, I don't know when you get any sleep. Hey, you are right. I am blooping brilliant. <laughs> no, I enjoy doing it. Uh, it's it's a labor of love, and it's it's fun, and get a lot of response from people. And I'll say this, if, if all your listeners punch my website up in the evening or in the morning, you'll be the smartest people in the state of Nevada for sure. <laughs> Take care, Lee. Be the best. Happy New Year. Same to you, JT. Be well. All right. There he is. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Check out his website. He really does. It's his website. So he's always adding content and opinions, and he's an opinionated guy. And I believe, as I've always said, the first sports talk show I ever called was not Mike and the Mad Dog. It was not Jim Rome, where I won the smack off. It was Hacksaw. Hacksaw was the biggest name by far when I was a stockbroker and left that business and drove out with my 944 after the movie Boiler Room and landed in Mission Beach. And the show was his, Hacksaw's, and I started calling it. The first show I called. That's how it all started. 702-365-9200. Chuck in Henderson on 920. How are you, Chuck? JT, what's up, my brother? What's happening? Hey, listen, I was just at the local sports book. Ooh. I put two G's on the Raiders Whoa! winning the Super Bowl at a hundred to one odds, brother. 
Well, Chuck, I have a difficult time with this because Vegas has a lot of bloviators who bet $5 a game. They don't bet 1000 or 2000 so I can't believe them unless I see the ticket or the ticket is posted. Hey, you wait. I got I got the ticket, brother. Okay. I just got it. And listen, they get in. I got two hundred grand to play with going into the playoffs. That sounds like JT is going to get a hell of a lot of Grimaldi's, or you're going to take me to one steak, or you're going to take me to a hell of a dinner. And with a payout like that, my friend. Hey, all we got to do is hedge it down a little bit. Hedge it down a little bit. We're guaranteed money. We're going to smoke those uh, Chargers this weekend. And let's uh, get this defensive back some support, mm-hmm. get them on the line, and start checking these receivers, brother. Take care, Chuck. Good to hear from me. Bet that much money on the Raiders to win the Super Bowl. The Raiders haven't even entered the playoffs yet. That takes some balls for him to do that. Look, the Nate Hobbs thing is simple. I got a 20-year-old. I got an 18-year-old. Okay, and there are times I look at them, and I hope and pray every night when they leave the house with their vehicles, they get home. That's all. They know the rule with me drinking and driving. Never. One shot, you're out. One shot, keys come back to me. Insurance comes back to me. I write all the checks. I write all the checks. Okay? I, I, you're out on this. Okay? It's, very, it's something we preach. But there's something in the mind of a 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Bobby's looking at me agreeing. There's something in the mind of a young man in his 20s who believes he can get in the car. I've been talking about this my whole career. The issue is not that they're bad people. They're under the influence. And when they're under the influence, they don't think correctly. When you're, when you're thinking correctly and you're sober, you could still get in car accidents. You could go for too fast. I hate people who drive fast. Whenever I'm on the 215 and I'm in the middle lane and I'm driving and someone goes by me at 120, I'm like, oh, my God, that person's going to kill someone. They're going to kill someone. You know, that rear end them or something's going to happen. But when it comes to drinking and driving in Vegas... I mean, everybody should be scared to death to drink and drive in this city because of, A, the bad drivers to begin with, the cops that are everywhere, and the fact that the cops take it more seriously here because we don't want bad press because we're trying to get people to visit. You never notice that when you think about what happens in the south side of Chicago and some of the violence around the country? We have some here, but the reason why our, our police take it so seriously is because we don't want the world to see it. And when it comes to DUIs, it's the same thing. Several of my friends are cops. I've always been cops. I grew up with a whole bunch of my best friends who are cops in New York. And they have these things where they give you these cards, right, police cards, PBA cards they're called back there. So if you get pulled over, you break out the name of your buddy. You say, hey, my buddy's a sergeant. He's a cop. Now when it comes to DUIs, you get, you get pulled over, you're done. And it's going to cost you roughly ten grand. But when you have a good attorney, like the attorney that works for all these guys out here, he knocks everything down. He goes into the judge, and the next thing you know, the judge is like, yeah, whatever. Knock it down to a misdemeanor. If it turns out that it is not a serious accident, because there was no accident, he's going to play. But I believe that Hobbs is going to never hear the end of this the rest of his career. And the reason why is obvious. It was a dumb mistake. We don't know the details. They'll come out. But it just happened after Ruggs. It's hard to screw up that badly after what Henry Ruggs did to Tina Tintor. It is hard for that not to hit home. And when you leave the facility or you land after a road game and you get in the car to say, I'm going to even have a sip of alcohol, it's tough. Now, if Henry Ruggs played on another team, you'd still know about it and maybe think about it. But when he was your brother and your teammate and you make a bad mistake, 
It's really tough. It's very difficult, and it's a teaching moment. Talked about it with my sons yesterday. It's a teaching moment for everybody here in town. And I hope Nate, you know, does whatever he needs to do to get his life back on track with this. And however this plays out legally, never pretend to be an attorney. I'm not the moral high ground. I'm just a dad with two young boys and a husband. And when I see these things, it deeply concerns me. And I like to defend Vegas. I like to remind people that this is a Vegas issue, this one. This one's a Vegas issue. And you could say the other one, too, because of the time. When you look at the watch, anything that happens past 3 or 4 in the morning is a Vegas thing. That doesn't happen in Green Bay, in Appleton, Wisconsin. It doesn't happen in Jacksonville. It doesn't. It happens here in Vegas, so we don't want to add to that conversation nationally. Big Al in San Francisco, where they shut down San Francisco very early at night. Al, I always said that. I lived in San Francisco. I didn't like it because I'm a late-night guy. They, they made me leave the bar at 1.15 instead of 1.30 and 2. I never understood that in San Francisco. You know, when I moved to San Francisco, JT, I just finished up grad school, and I was, I was, and I bartended when I first moved out here. And I used to do last call at like one fifty, and everybody was doing it at one fifteen. So I did it like thirty-five minutes later, and I must have made fifty extra bucks in that time. I don't understand bartenders in this town. This is such an early town. It's like lights out during the week right now with COVID. It's like lights out at 1030 and close it up at 11. Yeah. And everybody talks about what a vibrant town this is. And I don't get it. I've never gotten it. I've been here for so many years. I don't get it. Jump into so. the Raiders and the Chargers. I know that's why you're calling. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is, I mean, this is fantastic. I wish that I could attend the game. I wish I could be there. Unfortunately, I have a Warrior game and uh, so I can't make it down. But this is this is a war. This is like you know, people can say, well, the Raiders and the Chiefs are the biggest rival, and I say, yeah, you're probably right. But the Chief, Raiders and the Chargers are right there. There is no love between the fan bases. I remember going down to, to uh, Charger games down at the old Jack Murphy Stadium. It was crazy there. This game's going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be Derek Carr coming out and either putting up or shutting up. And I'm you know I'm a Derek guy. I anticipate him to come out, and I anticipate him to be huge. I anticipate the Raider defense to play well. You know, the question the question will come down to: can, Will Justin Herbert be able to make a difference? Now he's he's been up and down. He's a nice talent. We all see we all see the talent just oozes out of his pores. But I look. I think the Raiders are going to come are going to come out, and they're going to say this is our playoff spot. And it's there for our grabbing. We need this. We want this. It's ours. Let's go get it. And that's how I see it. I just see it to be a very aggressive, hard-hitting game. But I see the Raiders dominating this game in the end. Wow, dominating. Appreciate the call. There's Big Al, a professional statistician in professional sports, saying the Raiders dominating the game. Well, if you've been listening to me, which I appreciate you doing, that's the one thing I've been screaming about for a month. There is no domination. There isn't. There's no domination. The defense dominates sometimes on third down. But the offense is not explosive. And Mike Pritchard's going to join us next. And Mike is so good. I mean, you want to talk about it. I've seen Mike like draw out plays and talk about stuff. I'm going to ask Mike coming up about what it's going to take to get this offense going. He played for some great quarterbacks, some of the greatest of all time. And I don't know what it's going to take to get this offense going anymore. I've been banging my head up against the wall for months, saying why, why when they throw over the middle is everybody wide open and Carr completes these biggest passes and then they just hand it off twice? I don't know. 
and because the coaches are better than me. That's what they do, and they have a plan. And their plan is to not play fast, to not play with any sense of urgency, to milk the clock. Do you know in the last game they milked the clock down and had to delay a game? I'm like, what have I been saying here for months? Run the play. And they even had to delay a game. So I'm saying to myself, is that going to change all of a sudden at Allegiant Stadium? No, it's not going to change. Are they going to come out here and on the first two plays take the play clock down to one second and then run it? Probably. And am I going to sit there in my seat and go, oh, my God, what is going on again? But I'm going to be rooting and standing up and screaming every first down. I would like to see the Raiders in this game because the Chargers give up 50% of their third downs. It's insane. 49.5% of third downs they give up. You cannot give them a free play and run it into a pile. You can't run it into a pile on first down. Now, they're running the ball better with Jacobs, and he can get outside, and he can hit the hole. But if he does it on first down and Waller's back, you cannot run it into a pile of 350-pound men who are in the middle of a pile and expect to win this game. Have you seen the Chargers under Justin Herbert? He's the greatest quarterback I've seen play in Allegiant Stadium, period, including Brady, Breeze, Josh Allen, and Derek Carr. He's the best I've seen with my eyes. That doesn't mean I root for him. I just have a level of respect for him being an assassin. He's a flat-out assassin. So if he decides early in this game and the coach says, look, here's the deal. Only chance we have to beat the Raiders is we're going to get in a shootout. What does that mean? We're going to play hurry-up offense. We don't want the Raider defense to set. We're going to go on fourth down, and then the Raiders are going to come back down 7 nothing and hand the ball off? <laughs> really? You, you, you want to play that game? The only way the Raiders can change my mind is what they did in Indy. They get the ball. They go downfield. Long drive. Long six, seven-minute drive. They run the ball. They move the pile. They're running it well. Cars picking up first downs on third and short, and they go up 7 then do whatever the hell you want. Do whatever the hell you want. Keep running the ball. But if the Chargers come out on this opening drive and score, last year we had first and goal at the four with Marcus Mariota. It should have been run right, run right, run left, run up the middle, game over. Marcus Mariota, they ended up kicking a field goal. Justin Herbert laughed and said, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Got the ball, boom, 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 game over. Because the Raiders didn't play with the killer instinct against the Chargers. Remember the Gruden game in in L.A. this year with the lightning storm. And Gruden went into the locker room and said, worst locker room he's ever seen. You know, you got this corridor, you got this turn, you got all that. Raiders were down early, game was over. Now the Raiders came out in the third quarter and put up a fight. But the game was over early that they weren't going to win the game. This is Allegiant Stadium, the Death Star, home of the silver and black. The Raiders do in the history of this rivalry whatever the hell they want to do. Do you hear me? In the history of Al Davis and Mark Davis now, the Raiders control the narrative. This is their home field. They come out and they throw it around the lot and they do something great. Derek Carr's been doing this a lot longer than Justin Herbert. Okay, he should be able to handle the moment and take control of the crowd in the game and lead the Raiders to this victory. And if he doesn't, because Herbert outplays him, it happens. And you tip your cap. But the Raiders got to win this game. And I think the only way they're going to win this game is at some point, you're going to remember this, they're going to be in a bad spot. 
And that quarterback better go four wide. And there better not be anybody in the backfield. And if he is, he better be in motion. And Waller better be going 11 yards, cutting Renfro underneath him. Deshaun deep, Zay, they better attack. Because this Charger defense, if they don't win the game, and we come back here on Monday going, oh, my God, this is the worst third down defense in football, and they didn't throw it. I'm nervous about this game because I think there's confusion on what the Raiders want to do. We don't know if they want to run it or if they want to throw it. We don't need to figure that out. That's the coach's job. But whatever they do, they better go big. They better go big in this game. And in the first five plays of this game, first five offensive plays, there better be a 40-yard ball thrown over someone's head saying to the Chargers' sideline, we're here. And we're going to attack when we want to attack. Let them know. And I think you got to throw to set up the run. I do. Because the Chargers know they want to run it. And they're going to stuff the box. And they're not afraid of Carr. They're not. They have Joey Bosa talking crap about him. They're not afraid. Derek's got to shut him down. And I believe Derek Carr will. And the Raiders will move on to the playoffs. 702-365-9200. I got time for you. I think we're going to have Mike Pritchard in about... 10 minutes, so that opens up a phone line for you. Whenever I talk or scream X's and O's, it's with the Remy Martin sidecar in my hand. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. We thank Remy Martin for everything they do for us here as our partner on Raider Nation Radio. Well, we're going to enjoy this a little bit. You know, we got a flight home, and, and uh, we'll come back to work tomorrow and, and reset, as we talk about, and, and um, we'll go through the, the goods and the bads, and those guys will see it, and hopefully we can improve again a little bit, and we'll be excited about playing a, a football game at home next week. i tell you, that's Rich Passaccia. It's so easy to give him credit for the situation that he inherited and what he's been able to do to keep this team on track. I mean, if the team was not on track and the team hit the wall and this thing folded and the team, and I always knew they'd play hard. That's one of the really easy topics this year on Raider Nation Radio is the energy of this team and their passion to play. They always play hard, always play hard. You're never talking about, oh, look at this on film. They don't look good. They, they look like they're mailing it in. That's never been. And how many teams play that way this time of year? A lot of them. There's several teams that are out of it that just – don't play with any passion or excitement. And the Raiders have been playing like their hair's on fire the last couple of weeks to try to be in playoff contention. Now they control their destiny, which is really cool. Last night, the Ben Roethlisberger deal was great. It really was. It was fabulous to watch that live in real time because when you saw it play out, you just saw him go out and play and then after the game soak it all in. He didn't run to the locker room. He stayed there. He did a lap, half a lap around the stadium. He waited for his family to come down, and he just kept his helmet on, and he took it all in. That's great about sports, isn't it? When you're able to do that, play 18 years in one city and enjoy that, and the fans know you're not coming back, and they, they want to move on from you. They know you're getting old, and they want to move on, but they give you that type of respect, which is amazing. Vegas, Jay, thanks for waiting. You're up next. How are you, Jay? Thanks for holding. Go ahead. Oh, doing good, JT, man. Just jumping in, man. Catch, just barely catching about 15 minutes of your show, man, out there doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Look, JT, man. Bro, if I'm Derek Carr, JT, man, I'm taking this game personal. And not 
so much because of what Joey Bosa said. I know a part of it is that. But I'm taking this I'm taking this game personal because of Justin Herbert. Look, JT man, Derek Carr, you know, Pat Mahomes has come in and he's and he in a short time, about a year and a half, he took his spot as as if you know the, the best quarterback inside the division. Now you got now you got Justin Herbert coming in and JT in my opinion, man, I, I Justin Herbert is 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 a better quarterback than than Derek Carr. And and in a short time he's he's proven that He's got a better arm, probably not as, as accurate, but he's got a better arm, and he's fearless, JT. So if I'm Derek Carman, I'm taking this game super personal. It's about time that you, you know, throw if you could, if you, I'm with you. Throw it deep, first five to ten plays. Throw it deep. If you throw a pick, so what? Because you know what, Justin Herbert, within those same five to ten plays, he's going to throw it deep. And if he throws a pick, we've seen it. He doesn't care. He does not care. He is going to come back. And he is, and he's going to try it again. He's a fearless gunslinger. What I like about that kid, but Derek Carr, he he has to show up. I hope he takes it super personal. And I'm looking for the defense, man. I'm looking for Gus Batty to 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 you know uh, uh, put together a game plan that puts a lot of pressure. And I'm hoping that it's about time that we get some picks, JT. We got to get something interception, pick six, or or just an interception, just in general, man. We have to get some turnovers, man, in order to have a shot at this game. Uh, JT, man, always all love, man. Appreciate you, man. Thank, Thank you. Appreciate Bye. you. Appreciated it and liking the show. Thank you. What's very interesting, you know, I lived in San Diego eight years, and Philip Rivers and Junior Seau, who I got to know well before he passed, and the Charger fans, mostly the Charger fans are good fans in San Diego. They just want to win just like the Raider fans did in Oakland, but they never won. So they were snake bit. How would you like to live in San Diego? The Padres have never won, ever. The Chargers never won. They don't have an NBA team. They had the Clippers that moved. So those fans down there got their team ripped out from them. And then they moved to L.A. And they moved to L.A. because the owner wanted to increase the value of the team before he sold it. Great great idea I mean, when you're thinking about that. But he could have kept the team in San Diego. And for those who said that the Raiders could have stayed in Oakland, fair response. But we knew how difficult it was for the Raiders to deal with the Oakland politicians who were ridiculously bad and the same thing it's state of california everybody state of california the 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 politicians in oakland who are the worst they're the lowest bottom of the barrel the ones in san diego weren't too far behind and because of the politics they couldn't work on a deal there so the chargers go up to la and what happened in la which is fascinating is they go into this major metropolis this urban sprawl where there's a lot of fans who aren't ram fans they're raider fans they're raider fans and the Raider fans are now in Vegas, and the ones in L.A. will never be switched. You can never flip an L.A. Raider fan to a Charger fan. So everybody else who's there, a new generation is what the Chargers need to capture. And what do I mean by a new generation? Mom and dad have a kid five years ago. He's five, six years old. Then Justin Herbert comes to town. Then they buy him a Herbert jersey. Then they take him to a game, and the kid falls in love. Now he's nine years old. He's a Charger fan. Then he's 13 years old. He's a Charger fan. Herbert's still there. That's their only chance. Their only chance is that Justin Herbert can build the brand on his back. And remember, Herbert and Carr are very similar. For everybody who says, well, Derek Carr's played for so many new coaches and he doesn't have the same team every year. Same thing with Herbert. Herbert doesn't play on a much better team than Derek Carr. So you can evaluate Carr and Herbert side by side. Mahomes is at a different level. He has a much better team. Much better team, better weapons. He's different. Herbert and Carr aren't. You can look at them both at the end of the year and compare their numbers. 
Mike Pritchard, my good friend, former great receiver in the NFL, legendary Colorado Buffalo, a member now at VSIN and the work he does here at Lotus. Happy New Year, Mike. How are you? JT, Happy New Year. Great to be with you, man. I'm thrilled to talk to you. Let's jump in on the comparison now, Carr versus Herbert. I think Herbert clearly has taken the next step in his career. Yardage, touchdowns, explosive plays, but I see a pick six every once in a while. I see a three and out. I see him missing wide open receivers at times, and I've seen a couple of really head-shaking losses this year for the Chargers where they could have been at 11 wins now and wouldn't have to worry about this game, Mike. Yeah, absolutely, JT. I mean, I think Justin Herbert, uh, it's happened early for him, right? I mean, the guy was rookie of the year, and, uh, okay, he comes into this year with high expectations, and, and you're right. I mean, he's been up and down, uh, scratch-your-head moments uh, a lot of times for Justin Herbert this year. Uh, but he's young, and, you know, I think that gets excused away because he's young, and, and he makes those mistakes. And Okay, he hasn't been in the league that long, but, uh, I, you know, the upside is tremendous for Justin Herbert. It really is. I mean, uh, I think a lot of people were looking at him in terms of drafting him uh, years ago when he was at Oregon, including the Raiders. I mean, I talked to some scouts that I knew way back when, and, and certainly there was some interest there. But, uh, you know, when, when you're Derek Carr and you're comparing that, uh, Derek Carr needs uh, the playoff win because the longer that you're in the league, JT, that's what they judge you on. And, then, you know, all those stats that Derek Carr is putting up, they're fantastic. Uh, but a quarterback could tell you, man, they, they are judged on, on their playoff records and, and certainly championships as well. Mike Pritchard's our guest. So, Mike, uh, it's, a, it's the age-old question over the last, I'd say, year or even more. What do the Raiders do? They went early on from being a pure passing team that struggled with the run. Josh Jacobs was good for about 50, 55 yards a game. Now, all of a sudden, Josh Jacobs has woken up, had a career-high 129 what do you do in this game? Do you open it up by throwing to set up the run, or do you think they play conservative and run the ball first? I think you figure out your DNA, JT. I mean, I think the DNA of this football team on offense is Derek Carr um, having command, Derek Carr being aggressive. Uh, and that, that does involve the rushing game. Uh, certainly, you want Josh Jacobs. See, Josh Jacobs, to me, it, it's fascinating, JT, because I looked at him all year long, and I'm waiting for this guy to just improve. Uh, like the fumble, I'm not worried about him fumbling because he doesn't really do it that often. But, but the reasons why you fumble is when you're doing things that you haven't gotten better with, like, like jumping to the outside on a slanting defense to the short side of the field. What are you doing? When, when you can cut back and you're one-on-one with a defensive back. And, and I would take that matchup all day long. And so it's helping out the offensive line that way. And I've seen Josh Jacobs be able to do that. You know, cutting back against the grain, um, finding those creases. Because if you're a good back, that's all you need, JT, is a crease at the line of scrimmage, and you can bust through that. So I'm seeing that emerge, which is encouraging. But I think the DNA of this offense is Derek Carr being aggressive uh, with the football. Mike Pritchard's our guest. Mike, with Darren Waller, he's been out a while. And if he clears COVID protocol, we're, we're looking for better news in the last couple of weeks. Uh, you played at a high level if you were coming off an injury or you had a teammate or a great tight end that was kind of getting in a rhythm again. What's good, 80%, 70%, 90%? What can we expect from Waller from missing this much time? Uh, him in uniform, first of all. <laughs> I, I mean, he, that's got to happen. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I mean, I, I get it. You know, hurt, injury, stuff like that, and you don't want to put somebody in harm's way. And, and you know, the COVID protocols too. And if everything goes well with COVID, 
then I expect to see him in uniform. I mean, this this is why you play the game here. I mean, this is this is everything that you hope for and, and you set your goals on, and that's making the playoffs for sure. And, and Darren Wallace should be a big part of that. So uh, if the guy can get in uniform, I, I expect him to give it a go, man. I mean, I, I think will he finish the game? I mean, that, that's up in the air right now. Certainly, he's been out for a while. But but I think it would be encouraging. Uh, it would it would provide some juice to a lot of the fellas out there if they see Darren Waller in uniform ready to go against the Chargers. Mike Pritchard joins us. So, Mike, I look at the Chargers. One thing that's fascinating to me is that their coach likes to go for it on fourth down. And he's not going to do it on his own 30 or early in the game, but he might do it on his own 45 on the first series, and he's going to do it anytime past midfield. So that makes it four down territory. What does Gus Bradley need to do to adjust to that on second and short or second and long? He knows he's going up against a coach, a quarterback, and a team that will consistently go for it on fourth down. Yeah, JT, I love the fact that it's Gus Bradley against his former team, and it's, you know, the Raiders versus the Chargers for all the marbles here, man. I mean, the stage is set on Sunday night football. I love this. I, I think from a defensive standpoint, you got to practice four downs, man. I mean, uh, you have to request more work. Uh, any player would, would, would want to do that or should do that on, on the defensive side of the ball. Like, like you got your scripts, you got your periods. But, Gus, we need more work. Like, it's third and medium. We're, we're pr- practicing against situational football. But, but we need to practice fourth and medium. We need to practice fourth and long. We need to practice fourth and short. We need to practice four downs as much as possible just to get used to that. Because, uh, let's face it, all year long you've been coming off the field after three downs. But this game's unique. we got to stay on the field anticipating four downs and, and then get off the field that way. So uh, it's just about the preparation uh, this week in practice, JT, I would request more work if I'm a defender uh, with the Raiders right now. How about the job Rich Passaccia did from the Dallas game to the two losses to now the three wins in a row, interim head coach, and how he's been able to keep this together? Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. Um, uh, this situation for an interim head coach, I mean, we, we see first-time head coaches failing all over the place in the league, in the league right? Uh, and they didn't have to go through half what the Raiders have gone through. Uh, and, and so I, I think when you lose Gruden the way that they lost it, uh, that was such a disruption in an uncertain year anyway. I mean, there's a lot of guys and their contracts are on the line and their futures are on the line, and, and so they still had to band together. And I think that's what we saw, JT. I think that's what we've seen all year long is this team understanding that, hey, it's us. We're in this together in this locker room, and nobody else is going to help us, man. And so we just got to help ourselves uh, and, and see what happens. And I love the fact that the Raiders can finish what they started. And what I mean by that is they started the year 3-0. and They took care of business against those AFC teams early on to be in this position to get to the playoffs. And now it's at home in Allegiant, and everything is right there in front of this football team. So if they truly are banded together and it's all about them in that locker room, man, I expect big things happening on Sunday night. Thank you, Mike. I'll see you soon. Always appreciate you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, JT. Always a pleasure, man. You got it. Mike Pritchard, one of the best athletes historically in Vegas, legendary high school, college, pro football player, one of the most respected and well-liked guys in town, and we're happy to have him on our team here. He's fantastic, and he really understands analysis, analytics, X's and O's, and what it's like to play in the league and how you got to get over the hump. He's right about Derek. Derek will be judged by how he plays in the playoffs. He will. 
And Derek took a team to a playoffs. He got injured. He didn't play in the playoffs, but he took a team to the playoffs and was high up in the MVP vote. And now he has an opportunity to have a signature moment. I hope he has a signature moment. 300 yards, he's undefeated. Throw for 350. You can do it against the Chargers. The data proves that. Big game, Sunday night football on NBC. So Carr will come back at quarterback as Mariota trots out. Jacobs will be the running back. He has been lethal throughout his young career down inside the five-yard line. Going to get a chance. Stance right. Jackpot, baby! Touchdown Raiders on their opening drive. A wake-up call for the Indianapolis Colts as the Raiders strike first. JT back with you as we are wrapping it up. What a show we have tomorrow. How about the show we have tomorrow? Ron Mix, Raider, and Charger Hall of Famer. Bill Romanowski. Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. Chris called the Antonio Brown game in New Jersey with the Jets. He was the play-by-play guy for Fox. Steph McKenzie, Sam and Ash. So we got a busy show tomorrow. Mitch in New Jersey. Uh, Mitch, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. I got about a minute and a half. Go ahead, Mitch. I believe you, uh, JT. Uh, help me out. You too. Hey, we've been playing great defense the last three, four weeks. Uh, Justin had a few bad games where he mm-hmm. threw some interceptions, so maybe it will happen. And with these two franchises, I mean, they're classic, great rivalry. But the Raiders have been, where the Chargers have always had a bad ownership, it seems, the Raiders have always gotten screwed. Staying with the Oakland, I know it's very tough now economically. I mean, the taxpayer shouldn't foot the stadium, but... It seems like the NFL always goes after the Raiders. Yeah, well, they do. They have, and everybody knows that. Appreciate the call. And, you know, not a lot of people like to hear Raider conspiracy theory stories anymore. I didn't like the Carson Wentz miracle. Miracle, hey, we were unvaccinated, we failed, but now we don't have to test. That was beautiful. I wouldn't put that up with the tuck rule and the immaculate reception, but it's on my list. I won't forget that one. Way to go, Bobby. Good show today. All of our guests were fantastic. Thanks to all of our partners. It's a new year here. We thank everyone. And we got a big game coming up. So Sunday night, I'll see you at the Torch for the pregame couple of shows and Raider Legends the rest of the week. We've dreamed of this opportunity on Raider Nation Radio. And we have the ultimate Raiders hookup, which will go big with tomorrow on your opportunity for some autographed items from Max tickets to the game. You'll be hearing about that again all day on Raider Nation Radio.